This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, we will explore the intersection of engineering and leadership by providing five actions that civil engineers can take to become great leaders. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I do want to introduce you to our new co-host for the podcast, James Taylor. James is going to also join me on the episode today, but James is a licensed professional engineer and an associate vice president at Ferdantis. James has over 17 years of experience in civil engineering in the land development and municipal fields and was also selected as a 2021 Young Engineer of the Year by the American Society of Civil Engineers, Delaware section. And James has been on our podcast before as a guest. He's done some videos for us. He has a very inspiring career path because he was told after he graduated high school that he didn't have the coursework to go for college engineering. So he had to actually take some courses and then get into college for engineering. Then he just didn't do well and unfortunately was kicked out of college. And he'll tell you that himself. And then he worked his way back in and he got a college degree in engineering. He got his FE, his PE license, and is now a vice president and really a leader in our industry. And so from here on out, he's going to be co-hosting this podcast, which means You'll either have me interviewing a guest, you'll have James interviewing a guest, or you'll have us together. And in today's episode, we're going to come together to bring you these five actions that you can take to become a powerful leader in civil engineering. So let's jump right in. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. So firstly, James, I just want to kind of officially welcome you to the Civil Engineering Podcast as a co-host. Really appreciate you jumping in on the podcast, helping out, even though you're still practicing as a civil engineer. So thank you so much, James. I'm excited about it. Civil engineering is definitely a passion of mine and always looking ways to give back to the industry, especially in this situation of really providing people with opportunities to learn and grow. Yeah, and James has been on our podcast before. In fact, we'll share a link to his interview in the show notes because he has a pretty inspiring story himself where, you know, he was told he couldn't do engineering in college because of his grades. And then he ended up getting into college and then had some trouble and actually was out of college and then got back in again and got his engineering degree and got his license. And now is a really reputable position with a very reputable firm. So you can check out his full story, but we're just thrilled to have him. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to cover some specific 
ideas around civil engineering and leadership. In fact, we're going to give you five specific tips or actions that you can take as a civil engineer to become a great leader, which is I know what a lot of civil engineers aspire to. So I'm going to jump right in here with number one. We'll go back and forth a little bit on this one. But as far as the first one goes, being a civil engineer is not just about your technical expertise. It's also about, of course, guiding and inspiring others towards innovation and success in their own careers. And so our first tip or action for you is, yes, you want to master your technical expertise as a civil engineer, but you also need to hone and develop your interpersonal skills. In engineering leadership, regardless of what discipline of engineering you're in, it is really crucial to kind of balance that technical prowess with strong interpersonal skills. Your technical expertise absolutely will lay the groundwork for you, right? That's kind of the basis of who we are as engineers, but you'll need that effective communication. You'll need to be empathetic to people around you. You're going to need to collaborate with so many people as a civil engineer, internal to your organization and externally. And building relationships is pretty much fundamental and critical in our work as engineers. So it's so important that you build these technical skills and your interpersonal skills. I don't know about you, James, but for me, when I knew I wanted to become a leader or manager in civil engineering, the first thing that jumped out to me was how much I'm going to have to interact with people. You're exactly right. That technical piece is the foundation that you're talking about engineering. So foundation is great, right? So we're talking about that foundation, that technical piece really is that foundation of your engineering career. But as soon as you want to make that jump into leadership or even just be a great engineer, you have to learn to communicate. You have to learn to build those relationships. If you're just sitting there focused on the technical, you might be a great technical, but are you going to be able to convey your knowledge of what you're doing to others around you? If you can't communicate that, if it's everything's very technical, you're not going to be able to convince people what needs to happen or talk to people of why we need to do certain things. That communication skill is something that's super important. It's not taught in school. That's the frustrating part. It's like one of the biggest things that we do is we are communicators. We talk to people all day long about engineering and we have to be able to relay that not just in the technical way, but the way that people understand. Yeah, 100%. And I think like even one example that is even in public, right? We have to go to public meetings sometimes and we have to talk to the people that are engineers and aren't technically savvy, and we still need to be able to communicate our projects and our ideas to them and how they're going to benefit the community. So that's really, really important as well. And one thing I just want to touch on and reinforce what James said, which is really important, is that you may be watching this or listening to this and saying, I don't want to be a manager in civil engineering. I just want to be a great technical civil engineer and stay on that kind of individual contributor or that technical path. And that's great. And quite frankly, in civil engineering firms, we need more technical professionals and managers or else you've got to have an upside down organization. But that doesn't mean that you don't need great interpersonal skills because you still need to be able to communicate your designs to people. Someone that's reviewing it, a client, an agency meeting where you're meeting with a, an agency. So I don't want you to just dismiss this video or these tips because you feel like, hey, I don't want to go into management because really I think as a civil engineer, you want to be well-rounded regardless of which kind of career pathway that you want to take. I think that's really important. It's going to tie into one of our, our tips that's coming up, but you also need to be able to communicate to those around you in the, the workforce, right? If you're working with staff, younger engineers that you're trying to convey that technical knowledge to, if they're not able to understand it, communication's that two-way street. If you can talk about it, but someone can't understand what you're saying, 
it's not working. The communication is broken. And so you have to be able to continue to work on those skills to really build up people around you, to really be able to communicate well, to be able to understand situations. And you're right. It's not just about leadership or management. It's about being a good engineer is being able to convey those things. 100%. All right, James, take us into our second action item. So it ties right in, right, of what we were just talking about. And that's going to be leveraging mentorship and knowledge sharing. Uh, Great engineering leaders understand the importance of mentorship and knowledge sharing. Encouraging experienced engineers to mentor junior members fosters a culture of learning and growth. We just talked about it, right? If you're not able to communicate with those around you, can you actually develop and grow those? And this exchange of knowledge strengthens the team's capabilities and drives innovation. And that's what this is all about. We have to continuously bring new engineers into the workforce. I mean, there's the studies out there that says that the work that's out there, we don't have enough engineers for. There's been those talks with the, the infrastructure bills and those other things about we don't have enough engineers to get done what is needed when it comes to infrastructure. Well, we need to really elevate our engineers that are coming in out of college, mentoring them, allowing them to grow and experience that technical knowledge, that transfer of knowledge from those that have been in the workforce for a while to be able to help them grow and develop. And the thing with mentorship that I think is important to think about is Yes, you absolutely want to have a mentor and find the right mentor. And that could be someone within your organization. That could be someone externally, maybe someone you met through an association or an outside community organization or both, of course. But I think also you want to become a mentor. That's an important aspect of it. And I don't care what your age or experience level is. There's always going to be someone less experienced than you. So find someone and start mentoring them because by doing that, you're going to basically hit most of the other actions that we're going to cover today because you're going to be working on your communication skills. You're going to be learning how to empathize with people, put yourself in their shoes, help them grow, share knowledge like James said. Mentoring is such a powerful thing, both finding a mentor and becoming a mentor. And that's going to really cultivate that culture of learning and growth that James mentioned, which is so important just in firms in general today. If you want to be a strong leader in the industry, you're going to have to be in line with that. Yeah, and I think it's also, it doesn't necessarily need to be in your firm or in, if you're able to make these connections through technical societies or whatever, you can get a mentor in those areas, but it really is growing that mentorship. And I love what you just said about you're never too young to be a mentor. Uh, Even if you're right out of college, you can be mentoring someone in college or an intern, right? I mean, there's those immediate aspects of, I can trigger this and I can pass along some knowledge that maybe someone else doesn't have. That's what it's all about is creating those relationships, developing those, levering the mentoring and the knowledge sharing. Because right now we have this idea of a lot of engineers are going to be retiring over the next five, 10 years because they're getting to an age where they're like, hey, I've done my job. I've done my work. I don't need to be an engineer anymore. And that knowledge is going to be gone. We have to create that continuous knowledge sharing in order to keep our industry, let alone our companies going. I actually think it's a good practice to have a mentor outside of your organization just because there might be things that you're not comfortable talking with someone about that you work with. Now, I think 
in a sense, your supervisor can be one of your mentors, right? And they can really help you and mentor you on technical aspects and talking to clients and things of that nature. But you might have like a challenge you're dealing with and you want to improve a skill and you may not be comfortable going to someone in your organization and letting them know about that. Or maybe like I work with James, but him and I, we're not seeing eye to eye on something. So I want to get an outside opinion on it or perspective on it. So I would highly encourage you to, yes, lean on your supervisor and someone internally as a mentor, but also find someone outside so that you have the two different perspectives that can help you grow. And that quite frankly, you feel comfortable talking to that outside person really about anything that you're dealing with. I think that's really important. So let's get on to our third action item here, which is to promote a culture of innovation and experimentation. The world of engineering today, especially civil engineering, really thrives on innovation, right? Leaders have to create an environment where their team members feel encouraged to experiment, take calculated risks, right? Think outside of the box, Embracing failure as a learning opportunity also can fuel creativity and help you to come up with some very interesting solutions. And I know some firms that we've worked with have done some pretty cool things around this, like they've set up innovation committees or they have certain people that one of their roles in the company is just to look at outside software solutions or trends that are going on in the industry. So I think that if you want to be a strong leader, you need to try to make sure that you're challenging your team members and yourself to be innovative means like maybe doing something different than the way we've done it for the last 20 years. And I know one example of this, James, is COVID, where basically I think everybody said civil engineering firms could never operate fully remotely. And it's almost like overnight, all of them were. (laughs) Oh, had to. There was no other way around it. I mean, you had to try and keep things and keep those businesses moving forward. And, And that's a great example. Even looking back, I mean, you went from blueprints to CAD. And everything's being done on the computer now where there's very little being done by hand. I mean, we still do things by hand, but the computer-aided drafting is really where the focus is now. And and there's innovation and, and AI and all this other stuff that keeps coming out there. The key to it is evaluating what's going to be best for your success as a engineering leader, as well as whatever you know your company is that you're working for. Because there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of things out there. And just because it works for one doesn't mean it's going to work for another. And that's where you, if you take some of those calculated risks, you can kind of evaluate, is this the right thing for us to be doing to be able to promote that nature of innovation and growth? Myself personally, just doing some research from a business perspective on good strategies for growing your firms in this time, really the firms that are the most innovative are going to be the ones that are going to grow. And then, and if you have innovative leaders, the firm as a whole are going to be innovative and that culture will kind of translate down through the organization. Because I think when we become too rigid in what we do in this world, you're going to be dead. And just look how fast things are evolving. Look at the way design is being done in the civil world today. I mean, I interviewed a professor, I think a year or so ago on this podcast, and she talked about how not too long from now, your cars will be talking to the roadway. Like, hey, it's icy, you know, slow down type of thing. So These are things we have to all factor into our designs and our companies as we evolve. And I think, James, it just has to be a company-wide kind of culture thing. It does. I mean, it has to be something that, you know, you're going out there and you're really creating and and fostering that innovation at a company level to really find what's going to be best. And I like what you had here uh, or what you talked about, about the failure aspect. I think failure is one of those things where, so many, I think, especially engineers, type A personalities, those stereotypes that are put out there, failure is not something that we we 
want to have, right? Failure is not something that we think we can learn from, but failure is really a learning opportunity. And if you sit down and you do your right things, like when there's failure, do an after action review, sitting down and evaluate what went wrong. Why did it go wrong? And how do we improve from this? That really allows you to keep being innovative and moving forward in what you're doing. If you continue to do the same thing the way they've always been doing, I, I think there's a one of the worst things that you can ever answer of you know the question of why do we do things this way is because we've always done it this way. Like that is bad answer. Like we have to get to a point where we're sitting there and thinking, how do we make things better? What's that new mouse trap? Like, what's the best way to keep this moving forward? Because it's not only just going to help your company, but it's going to help your clients come up with better solutions as well. And I really like James' point about reflecting on failures and opportunities. We do a lot of project management, learning and development and training for firms. And one of the things we talk a lot about in our programs is your project closeout and how it's so important to do like a lessons learned debrief at the end of your projects with your project team, because you can literally look at what went wrong on your project and make drastic improvements for your following projects. And if you're not doing that as a project manager, then you're missing the boat big time. You're going to keep doing those same things over and over again, and you're not going to have any improvements. And one of the companies that we're actually working with, we did a big leadership program for a company for like their top 150 leaders. And I got a chance, one part of it was in person, and I got a chance to sit down with their CEO. And one thing that she said that was really interesting to me was, I'm constantly trying to make our engineers uncomfortable. And do things that they're not comfortable with and think in different ways. And that was part of the reason she wanted to hire us because she liked some of the stuff we were doing. And I thought that was a really great approach to leadership because if you let people get comfortable and like you were saying, James, just keep doing it because that's the way they were always doing it. Your firm is not going to keep up with other firms with all the trends and the different software and different things that are going on in the world today. So I think as a leader, you can think about how you can challenge your team members to think a little bit differently, do things differently on different projects, and change things up a a bit. And I think, in fact, rolling into our next tip that James is going to give us, this is another way that you can think differently. Yeah, and that fourth tip is going to be advocating for diversity and inclusivity in engineering teams. Diversity drives innovation, and a successful engineering leader Champions diversity and inclusion, recognizing the value of varied perspectives and experiences. Building diverse teams leads to more innovative problem solving and enhances the overall creativity within the group. And this is really looking at building that high performing team, you know, having different perspectives on things. It's not everyone is exactly the same, has the exact same background, has all grown up the exact same way. It's creating that standpoint that hey, there are different points of view when it comes to how things are being done. Well, listen, people in engineering firms are trying to become more diverse just because they haven't been diverse, right? They're just trying to be get up with the times and change a little bit. But for me, you're missing the boat. The point of diversity and inclusion is you want people thinking differently. You want people with different cultures, different backgrounds in your organization because everyone thinking the same right? It's like, what's the point of that? Like, it's going to become, you're not going to be innovative. You're not going to keep up with times. And it's a much more enriching experience for all of your team members. I mean, I know at EMI, we have a very, very diverse team. We have people from different countries, different locations, different backgrounds. And I think it makes our conversations and our meetings so much more interesting because people can come to the table with different ideas. You could serve your clients so much better because you can give them different ideas. And I would imagine too, your clients are all different. So the more diverse your population is, 
the more opportunity you have to connect with those clients because someone is bound to have some similar thoughts or ideas as them. You only know what you know. You only know what you've experienced. And and if you haven't experienced things that others have experienced, you're not even thinking that way. And so, you know, having that team built around you, different ages, different backgrounds, like you mentioned, it really helps drive that high performing team. And it's something that you definitely have to be intentional about when you're building your team, you're building your organization. The more intentional you are, I think you'll see more benefits around it. And you will see how, again, as a leader, we've talked about this. We mentioned the word culture a few times today already. You're responsible for the culture of your team, which is hopefully driven down by a higher level of the organization who has some cultural ideas or philosophies. And diversity needs to be embedded into that cultural philosophy because it's, it creates a more enriching experience for people, right? And that's something that I think is really important as a leader. So our last action item for those of you that want to become really effective leaders in this industry is you must be effective in project management and delegation. As an engineering leader, you're likely going to be involved in project management in some way, shape, or form. And if you're getting involved in project management, that means that you're going to have to learn how to delegate tasks that you used to work on, right? I always like talking about or mentioning the the name of the book, what got you here won't get you there, right? If you are a really good engineer and your firm makes you a project manager, you know, they made you a project manager because you were a really good engineer, but now you need to learn how to give up some of the engineering and do more project management. Hopefully they're supporting you and upskilling some of those. But these two are very tied together because really to become a, a really sound and effective PM, you need to learn to delegate. And I know for all engineers, this is an extremely difficult thing to tackle because we grew up doing engineering. We were trained analytically. We like reports. We like doing calculations. And then all of a sudden one day, for those of you that are going to get into higher levels of management, you really do have to give it up. And it's like you're giving up something that you like. James, I don't know if you could talk about your experience with this. but I'm still struggling and still dealing with this one of you have to give up things. My personality, I'm a people pleaser. I want to do things that I want to help people. I want to um, you know, help our clients. And a lot of times what happens is I put a lot on my plate to get done. And if I don't delegate, it affects me. It affects my team. It affects our clients. It's a trickle down. It doesn't make anyone better. And, and one of the things that I've heard, not in our company, but just you hear out there when you look at delegation is the terms, the words of, well, it's just easier if I just do it myself. And if you go into it with that mentality of it's easier if I do it myself, you're always going to be doing it because you're not training the next person to be able to come up and do that thing. And delegation is one of those those things where if you can master that, you're going to be so great in your career as an engineering leader because you're realizing that there are things that only you can do and you have to do them. And then you're realizing there's things that others can do and I'm passing them along and setting them up for success because it's not just here, do this. It's the proper delegation is here, do this and here's how you should do it. You know, there's the different levels of delegation and and it ranges from something as simple as you must do it exactly this way to why don't you go figure it out and then come back to me and we'll talk about it to I trust you, make the decision and then come to me with what you decided afterwards so that we can just talk about it or so that I can be in the know. And so there's a wide range of delegation, but if you can master those different levels, 
and understand when to do which, it will make you super successful as an engineering leader. Yeah, 100%. And we have a one-hour session on delegation that we do, and it's kind of built around this phrase that a lot of engineers use, which is, it's just quicker and easier to do it myself. And I always tell people, that's fine if it's something you're going to do once. But if you're going to do it 10, 20, 30, 100 times over the next couple of years, the sooner you can teach someone else how to do it, it's going to be beneficial to you. And I think what James said is really important is that if you don't delegate effectively, you're hampering your own career and you're hampering the career of those who you could be delegating to because they likely are going to get stagnant in their careers and they're not going to be challenged and they're not going to grow. And you're not going to be able to do some of those other things that you're supposed to do. And if you go back to my original example, if I become a project manager and I try to still do all the things I used to do, plus the project management activities, I mean, there just isn't going to be enough time in the day. I'm going to get stressed out. It's not going to work out well. So almost by default, if you're not delegating, you're just going to stress yourself out and get towards burnout. And that's not what you want in your career at all. So let me recap our five tips. So the first one was, yes, you want to master technical expertise as a civil engineer, but you also will need to hone and work on your interpersonal skills. Even if you plan to be a technical professional for your entire career and not go into management, you're going to have to deal with a lot of different people. So that's the first one. Number two is leveraging mentorship and knowledge sharing. We talked about how both being a mentor and finding a mentor can help you to develop your communication skills, your relationship building skills, and just overall satisfaction in your career. The third one was to promote a culture of innovation and experimentation as a leader. The firms that are innovative are the firms that are going to lead us in the industry. And as a, a leader in one of those firms, you can help to kind of set that standard. The fourth one was to advocate for diversity and inclusivity in your engineering teams. It's going to give you that broader perspective. It's going to make it a richer experience for everyone involved with your team. And last but certainly not least was you're going to likely need to be a very effective project manager. And to do that, you're going to have to learn how to delegate effectively, which is probably the hardest thing to do. But like James said, it's one of the things that will probably open you up for the most career success if you can do it because you're going to help yourself and you're going to help others. So once again, James, I want to thank you for not only joining me today, but for agreeing to be a co-host on the Civil Engineering Podcast going forward. James is a working, practicing civil engineer. He's a leader in the industry, but he is willing to take the time to do that because I know he's passionate about civil engineering and helping other civil engineers succeed. So James, thanks again so much for everything. Anthony, it was a pleasure today and I appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to more podcasts in the future. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Taking any of these five actions are going to help you grow as a civil engineer, whether you want to maintain a technical career path or become a powerful leader in the civil engineering industry. And I hope you enjoyed hearing from James. James is great. He's passionate about civil engineering, and we're so excited that he's going to be co-hosting this podcast going forward. So again, You'll have me doing interviews. You'll have him doing interviews. You'll have us coming together for some episodes like we did today. And please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points of each episode, including links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episodes. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. 
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.